Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 2, familiar passage of scripture that signifies a part of the coming of Messiah, Matthew 2 and 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there come wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Jump down to verse 11. Matthew 2 and verse 11. And we'll, we'll go back and, and pick up the pieces between the verses. But let's go to verse 11. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Talk to you today about three kings that we see in this story. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Oh God, would you speak to our hearts? Let your Holy Spirit illuminate the word to us today. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. The Lord bless you uh, today. You can be seated. Consider with me for a moment the wonder of this season. I happened to overhear in the hall two of our ladies talking about different things. Do you know I can hear through my office door, just so you know that? <laughs> <coughs> talking about loving this time of year, loving Christmas, loving this season. Amen. Oh, the wonder of the season. The holiday season seems to capture everybody's attention in some form or fashion. You can see it when you look in the eyes of a child, the wonder of a child seeing decorations and seeing the, 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 the packages and the unwrapping of the packages Amen. I remember one time that uh, Whitney uh, unwrapped something that she wanted as a child, and she said, I got that, I got that, I got that. Oh, the wonder. Don't you just love the way kids in their innocence react? Look with me and think for a moment the wonder of the fellowship of family and friends. It's amazing that this time of year you can, you can realize the wonder of just being with people and the joy of just being with people. How about the, the beauty of, of and wonder of Christmas music? I've got two playlists on my phone that have Christmas music to them. One is all instrumental, and the other is Christmas carols and Christmas singing and stuff like that. I, I love uh, Christmas music. Now, I'm not going to get in an argument when you should listen to it, not listen to it. Some people, anything before uh, Thanksgiving is sacrilege. I, I, you know, I, you, you're, that's your opinion. But a wonder, oh, the wonder of, uh, 
of marvelous meals at Christmas time. Aren't you glad when you when you realize the blessing of extended family, you can complain if you want to, but a meal here and a, a meal over there and here a meal, there a meal, but everywhere a meal meal. And so you get excited about the wonder of, of Christmas. The story of Jesus' birth is indeed a wonder to consider and to celebrate. I realize today that there is no one that really knows the particular day that he was born. Surely, uh, uh, and probably not uh, December 25th. But think with me just for a moment that the fact that he was born and the fact that we can celebrate his birth. The angels appeared in the heavens. The shepherds watched in wonder and awe as the great news began to be prepared for them. Think for a moment, uh, Mary, as she is expecting to deliver, has to leave her hometown of Nazareth and go all the way to Bethlehem on a donkey. Expecting, ready to, she's packed everything that she thinks she might need or maybe she thinks she's going to make it back home. I don't know, but there had to be a sense in her heart that this is it, this is it, this is it. Consider with me Joseph, the stable, and then also the birth of this baby king lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Perhaps no other holiday or no other celebration is quite as polarizing as Christmas. You find that there are the secular Grinches that foam in the mouth over a manger scene displayed in a courthouse. Some people refuse to celebrate Christmas because of its pagan roots. They will have nothing to do with it, amen. Others will choose perhaps to have part and not do other things because of their, their personal preferences or beliefs. Then there are those who actually think that Santa has something to do with the birth of Christ. Sorry to burst your bubble. This morning, this very morning, according to a pastor's Facebook post, Santa is showing up at a church to teach their children the importance of Acts 2.38. Go figure. Do what you want to with Santa, but don't have him come preaching. All I got was one amen out of that. Amen. Got two, okay. Christmas is said to be a time of peace on earth, but don't dare say Merry Christmas at Walmart. You might offend somebody. Christmas can be polarizing, and sure, we don't know the exact date. Sure, we know that there are problems to this season, and maybe parts of it have connected to paganistic roots, but so does Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, have connection to pagan roots. Uh, sure, there are those who shake their fist at the very notion of Jesus and they get angry at, at him. But the fact is, Jesus was born. The fact is, Jesus changed the world with that arrival forever. He brought a love like no other. Amen. He came into a world that did not recognize him for who he was, yet he loved a world that didn't know him, a world that would soon hate him. Him, amen. And he robed himself in flesh as deity and came to redeem mankind from their sins. For there is going to be one born to you, Mary. His name will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Hallelujah. I want to tell you it's important that we understand the birth of Jesus. It's important that we understand the incarnation of the mighty God in Christ because wrapped in swaddling clothes is the Messiah. Wrapped in swaddling clothes is the King of kings and Lord of lords among the stable, among those that were there, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph and the angels. I'm going to talk to you about a position of the story, and I realize that we often have our manger scene set up, and 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 you come to our house, we'll have more than one because we have historical manger scenes, and we got one manger scene that is actually from wood from Bethlehem. How you like that? That's cool. But among our manger scenes, we have three known wise men that are a part of the manger scene. The fact is that they did not arrive at the, at the stable. They came much later, so uh, uh, while it is, is nice to put them in the manger, it's not the factual event of what happened. Look at Matthew 2 again. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east have come to worship him. Three kings I want to talk to you about today. The first is the king of kings that was born that wonderful night. Amen. And then Herod the king. And then the wise men that have been noted and said to be the three kings. We sing the song. We three kings of Orion are bearing gifts. We traverse so afar. Field and fountain, moor and mountain following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night. Star with royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guiding with thy perfect light. Amen. Matthew simply records these men. We, 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 we call we call them kings. We call them wise men. Tradition says there were three of them, but the Bible doesn't tell us how many there were. Matthew records that they were known as Magi. Magi. Somewhere in the distant, uh, faraway place. Perhaps these men, we'll call them three because that is tradition, but they received a vision that would forever change their destiny. These three men, amen, these three, we'll, we'll say Magi are kings, philosophers, astronomers, astrologers, students of science, amen. The Bible calls them wise men. On an ordinary night, like many nights before, these men took their place gazing at the heavens somewhere in Persia. They would find uh, the heavens and look at it and they began to study the stars because it had become a routine exercise for them. Time after time, their observance revealed nothing. But on this particular light, night, most nights the stars looked the same. But on this night, there was something majestic and resplendent about a unique star. There was something wonderful and mysterious about this star. It was no ordinary star. This was not Vega or uh, 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 Orion. This was not some Nova star that suddenly became thousands of times brighter only to become dim again. This was not just one of 200 billion billion balls of glowing gas in the heavenlies. This was his star, for we have seen his star, something unique about him. 
Now, there are some scholars that believe that these men originated from a group of men, scientists and scholars and wise men, that had their beginning with Balaam. Balaam evidently started a school or started training in Persia that led people to know that somewhere he perhaps said the Messiah is coming. I don't know how they knew it, whether they learned it from Balaam or whether they learned it from another place. They knew that there was going to be a coming Messiah, the king of the Jews. These professors, these professionals, these kings, these highly educated scholars were trained in medicine and history and religion and philosophy and astronomy. Amen. They were trained also to look at the stars in astrology and check out the stars. Amen. The ancients that study the skies to find an answer of who am I, where am I, and what, what am I supposed to be doing here? Tradition calls them kings. Tradition calls them three. But the fact of the matter is that these are men of vision. They have seen the star. These are men of investment with care and expense they started out this journey these men were willing to invest their time they were willing to invest their money to somewhere go find the king born king of the Jews amen these wise men not only saw uh, the star once but they saw it twice as we will later find out once at Christ's birth and once when they got close to where he was the journey of following and the star required money. It required a lot of investment, perhaps a camel caravan full of money to help them. You see, they didn't have ATMs that you pull your camel up to. Then. All right, George, just, that's just a camel's name. You got to get on your knees so I can reach the ATM. Get my code out. No, they would have to carry a lot. They had treasuries that they would carry. And they would have a secretary that would go with them and somebody to keep up with their, their gold and their frankincense and their myrrh as they began to follow a man toward where the star was. And when they got to Jerusalem and when they got to the place where uh, Jesus was to be or the king was to be born, they went and sought one Herod the king. So we find, first of all, the wise men, and we're going to call them kings because of tradition. We don't know exactly if they were or if they were not, but they were wise men that we're going to call kings tonight or today. Somebody say amen. amen. The second king I want to talk about is King Herod. King Herod. The word Herod is like a title given to rulers, like a Pharaoh or a Caesar given to rulers who would be governors during the time of Roman rule. Herod, interestingly enough, means a song of a hero or a hero warrior. Amen. In the New Testament, you will find reference to six different Herods. Herod the Great, which we see in this story today. Herod Cleus, which was the 
evil son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas, another son of Herod the Great who killed John the Baptist. Herod Philip the Tetrarch was another son that ruled towards the north uh, around uh, uh, the west side or the east side rather of Galilee. And then Herod Agrippa number, Agrippa number one who was the grandson of Herod the Great. Agrippa number two who was the great grandson of Herod the Great over which he saw the trial of Paul. When we look at Herod the Great, he was known as a great soldier. He was known as an orator and a master builder. He built things all around Jerusalem that got him a great reputation. You find that Jesus would enter into what was known as Herod's temple. Herod was beloved by the Romans. He courted the Romans. He did things to, to please the Romans. He bartered and politicked his way in so that he would become king. Herod would not have been king of the Jews if it hadn't been for the Romans. They gave him the throne underneath Roman rule. Amen. Herod was declared to be king by the Roman Senate. Amen. With the understanding that he was to lead Judea in a pro-Roman direction. We find that this is something that we see about Herod. He was paranoid. He was bloodthirsty. He was a tyrant that ended up killing three of his own sons for the suspicion of treason, putting to death his favorite wife. One of ten wives that he had. And he killed his favorite. I hate to see what he does to his least favorite. He killed one of his mother-in-law's drowned a high priest who happened to be his brother-in-law killing several uncles and a couple of cousins this guy was ruthless this guy was vicious selfish narcissistic his uncontrolled ambition had turned him into a monster he was preoccupied with power and possessions preoccupied with prestige and he was also a king that was paranoid amen we find that when they arrived the wise men the, the wise men showed up and they said where is he that is born king of the Jews what do you think that does to a paranoid tyrant who killed his favorite wife, killed his sons, at least some of them, killed his, his in-laws. That's a dangerous fellow to be around. Amen. And so he begins to, to act all, you know, I'm in on this. Yeah, the king of the Jews, where is he? Let's get the scholars. And so they get the scholars out and they said he was to be born in Bethlehem. Amen. I, I, I want you to, to, to go and why don't you do this? Why don't you find him and then come back and give me word where he is at? Amen. What you see in the heart of Herod is anger and paranoia. But you see in the people that are around this king in indifference and apathy and laziness because they weren't I want to tell you if they believed that the king of the Jews they truly believed it they not only would have known where he was to be born without having to look it up but they would have gone in the caravan themselves and said we're going with you and we're going to worship this king but you see this second king is not like the first king that we talked about this second king is ruthless he is full of anger there is bitterness I want to tell you when you, when you look at folks that are letting 
king self-rule, when they let their king of bitterness rule their heart, they're not going to pursue worshiping the king. They're going to pursue destroying, amen, a relationship with that king. As later the babies were killed, what are you going to do today? You're going to be like the wise men, the three kings that we often talk about that pursues him and goes after him. No matter the cost, no matter the expense, I'm going after him. It took months, months, months for them to get from Persia to Palestine. Why? They were invested in their worship. They were invested in their practice. And so they found where he was. But look, let's pick up the narrative in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. You liar. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star... Look at this narrative very closely. And lo, the star which they saw in the east, the same star they saw appeared again, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So they're in face of a tyrant, lying, vicious, cruel, horrendous, Herod, and when they leave, automatically that star appears before them again. But something that baffles my mind is that I have seen a shooting star. I have seen, which is probably just a meteor that enters into our atmosphere. I don't know. I am not a meteorologist. Did you see that? I am not a, a, a astronomer that can understand. But I don't know about stars that move. We move around the sun and there's stars, billions upon billions of them out there, all in their place, never moving. How is it that a star moves for them? And they be, it went before them and they begin to follow that star. Could it be the Bible speaks about angels being messengers and stars. Could it be that this, this star was really not a gaseous ball, but rather the glory of one angel shining the way to the Messiah and what they saw amen in Persia was nothing but the glory of God invested in the glory of an angel and so they begin to pursue as they saw the star again it went before them over where the young child was I want to tell you if you're willing to be like the wise men and say I'm not going to let a bitter old Herod get in my way of my worship I'm not going to let a bitter old Herod get in the way of my praise. I'm looking for the next step. What's my next step? I don't understand. I come from afar. I don't have it all figured. How many of us have got it figured out about God? How many of us know that everything about the Lord and, and, and put him in a box like oh he's got to answer this way and he's got to be that way. Oh no! You just got to have a passion to follow his leading.
A lot of people today don't want to follow a star unless they know where it's going. A lot of people today don't want to follow a star unless they have everything figured out. Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, I'll go wherever you go. I'll do whatever. But first, will you tell me the whole plan? I don't know about you, but that's never happened to me. Never happened to me. Amen. I just got to be sensitive to the leading that the God is directing. And when they saw the star, listen to what the Bible says. They didn't just rejoice. They didn't just be glad. But the Bible said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Haven't seen it. Walk by just simply determined understanding. I want to tell you that sometimes you walk by faith. You don't see an angel. You don't see your answer. You're just walking by faith for months and months. Invested. Don't have a feeling. Don't feel nothing. Don't see nothing. God doesn't move. Well, surely he must be gone. But they kept on anyway because they had a conviction in their heart. I want to tell you, you can show up on Sunday and feel nothing. You can show up on Sunday night and feel nothing nothing. You can show up on Tuesday night prayer meeting. You can have your own Bible study and feel nothing. But if you'll invest, if you'll keep pursuing, if you'll keep looking him, there will be a moment when that star will show again. Revelation will come to you again. But you got to keep walking. You got to keep believing even when things don't work out. Even when you don't understand. Even when you find a Herod you got to keep going. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. <clears throat> these three wise men or these wise men, these kings speak about worshipers who passionately pursue the presence of the real king. Amen. Exceeding great joy. Cheerful, full of joy. It's what rejoice means. They rejoice. They were full of joy, happy, calmly happy as the word says. Exceeding means vehement, high degree. It means exceedingly or very, very, very sore. Amen. Great, big. Amen. The star that showed up went before them. He began to begin to see something great, something powerful. It is interesting that the word went before speaks of a forensic sense to bring forth to trial as bring forth evidence. Amen. It went before them it was evidence that they're headed in the right direction haven't arrived yet but they're in the right direction come on somebody today let me tell you you may not feel like you've arrived yet but you gotta stay in the evidence let's pick up the narrative in verse 11 Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 and when they come into the house notice it wasn't in the stable it was in a house it would have been months, months, some figure around 10, maybe even 12, but months. They saw the young child, not a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, but a young child with Mary, his mother. And what did they do? Fell down and worshiped him. Woo! Hallelujah. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I don't know. You can speculate with me. Did they come within the intention to give? 
Perhaps they did. But I see them saying to the treasure, let's get the big box. We can go back on nothing. We'll work our way back home. But we're going to make sure that we give extravagant worship to our king. When they gave gold, they were saying, we believe in his deity. We believe in his deity. And as king, we are paying tribute. They gave Herod nothing. But they gave this king, this young child king, gold. They began to say, I serve this deity. Frankincense speaks of the high priest. For they honored God. with the smoke of their incense and they're saying he's not only my king he is my high priest hallelujah I'm going to offer my praise to him I offer my tribute to my king I'll serve him but I'm also going to worship with my high priest and then myrrh myrrh as a man that would die for myrrh was used in the embalming of dead bodies this spoke of his resurrection and the foresight that on the other side of Calvary, a king would rise again in the face of great adversity and hatred. Amen. I want to tell you, they believed that he was not only God. He was not only king. They believed him to be the high priest and they believed him to be the man that would bring about redemption. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after they worshiped, after they gave sacrificial worship to him. You will find that the Bible says, listen to this, and being warned of God in a dream. God did not tell them in a dream where the Messiah was. They went looking for it. Okay? Everything they did up to this moment was done outside of the word of God. Here's what I know. If you'll open up your heart and pursue Jesus, if you'll open up your wallet and pursue Jesus, if you'll open up your treasures and your possessions and worship him, amen, if you'll bow before the king of kings, here's what I know is that the word of God will show up and give you direction for your life. You want to know what you're supposed to do? Amen. They worshiped and they sacrificed and then the Lord showed up in a dream and said go another way. Don't go back to Herod. Go another way. Hallelujah. They were willing to sacrifice to find Jesus. Jesus without the word, without an understanding of divine revelation. Amen. They had a purpose to find him, to worship him, but also to finance his, his trip down into Egypt and thereby fulfilling prophecy. So we have the wise men or the kings, the three kings. Then we have Herod the king, the bitter, hateful, mean the choice is for us one or the other will we be a Herod or will we be a wise man but let's talk just for a minute about the king of kings the young child a man at his birth is known as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes 
in the house when the wise men arrived as a young child. Hallelujah. Look with me at the book of Psalms chapter 24 and verse 7 that depicts this king's arrival. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be, be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Where is he that is born king of Jews? What are they saying? There's only one king. There's only one king of glory. And yet as a child, he was yet the king of glory. Though he had not fulfilled yet his destiny as flesh, but he was still king. Where is he that is born king of Jews? We've come to worship him. We've come to worship him. Mary didn't stop him. Joseph didn't stop them. The child didn't speak up and say, whoa, wait a minute now. I'm just a man. Just a child. No, they re but Jesus received worship from these. He is the king. Isaiah 9 and 6, you know this very well. Isaiah 9 and 6, it needs to be reiterated all the time, but especially in the season of Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, the authority, shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, his authority, and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, establish it with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord's house will perform this. Who's he talking about? He's talking about a babe that arrived in a manger and a boy in a house where kings came and worshipped him. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the one that walked the dusty shores of Galilee and healed their sick and raised their dead for three years. He's talking about the one that stood before Pilate and asked him this question. Pilate did. Amen. What is truth? Jesus was truth personified. They nailed a sign upon his cross and called him the king of the Jews. But what they were saying was the truth. Amen. The wise men said it at his birth amen and they mocked it on his cross but yet he is still the king the king king where is he born king of the Jews where is he I want to tell you today he's not just a babe in swaddling clothes anymore he's a resurrected Lord and he lives in the heart of believers he lives in the heart of those that pursue him he lives in the heart of those that will receive him John 18, 37, Pilate asked him this question when he was before. You know why Pilate was there? It's because Herod's, Herod the Great's son was such a horrible leader, they kicked him out after only a short time leading. And so Pilate shows up to be governor in this stead. And so Pilate is there and he says, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered and says, Thou sayest, I am a king. But notice, he doesn't correct him. He doesn't deny it. He says this, to this end was I born. I want to throw this out there just for thought. 
it is quite possible that the swaddling clothes that they wrapped the baby in were clothes and pieces of garment perhaps like gauze that every traveler carried with them because unlike today, we have ambulances and we have hospitals close by and we got first responders and we've got all these things. We didn't have that. And if they got ill or they had an injury, quite possibly they would have died. So they would carry these clothes with them, these cloths, and they were known as burial cloths. Could it be? It's, there's nothing that factually states this. I'm just putting it out there for you. Could it be that Mary took what was designed to be either hers or Joseph's burial cloth on the journey and wrapped the baby in the swaddling clothes? Well, if, if it is, it fulfills the truth, and that is he was born to die. For this cause, Jesus said, came I into the world. Can you imagine a little baby being born to die? Yeah, we're all going to die one of these days. But no, he had a date with destiny on the top of Golgotha. Why? Because he came to redeem man. Man messed up, but it took a, a second Adam to redeem man. But he wasn't just a baby. It, it wasn't just a child. It wasn't just flesh. But he was the king, he says, to this end was I born for this cause came out of the world that I should bear witness unto the truth behold Matthew says 1 and 23 a virgin shall be with child that in itself the enemy hates the doctrine of the virgin birth the enemy hates okay and she shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. God, who is he? He's the king personified in human flesh. Amen. It was known that a royal, before he goes today, our presidents and our dignitaries, before they go on a trip, they have a team that goes before them and makes sure that everything is right, make sure all the security is in order and all that. Well, in that day, when a king would take a journey, when a king would, would take a trip, he would have what is known as a harbinger that would go before him, a royal protocol that would dictate the fact that the king would be arriving. John the Baptist was this royal dictate. The John the Baptist was the harbinger the announcer of the king. John was sent by God to prepare the people for the arrival of the king, not a religious leader. Not a religious leader, but the king. Matthew 3 and 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isaiah called it the government is at hand for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, amen, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the king, the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Then John 1, 23, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, make straight of the way of the Lord, amen. But Paul wrote and penned the, the great, 
king pronouncement himself when he said in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy verse 14 that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and the lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach thereunto whom no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting amen the first time the king arrived in this world he arrived as God manifest in the flesh in a baby's manger or in a manger a feed trough if you please but the next time he comes back according to revelation he's not coming back to be in a some uh, quiet back place where nobody knows anything about it but those like the shepherds who saw the angels but he's coming back as one riding on the white horse he's coming back amen with something strapped across his side that declares who he is the king of kings and the lord of the lords Something that the depiction is from John said, it's going to be like fire shooting out of his mouth. Who is it? It is the word of God. All this naysaying junk, all this secular thinking, secular humanistic thinking that is plaguing our world like a poison will be squelched at the word of God. When, when he begins to begin to proclaim it across the world, he is the king, he is the king, he is the king, he is the king. Is the king. Which king are you going to be drawn to? Are you going to be like the wise men and pursue him no matter what? Are you going to be like Herod that says, I don't want anything, anything standing in my way from my own personal stuff? Stand with me, please. The tale of three kings. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts is his name. What does he say? The Lord of the angelic host. Can you imagine? I don't know if I could depict it in a way that would even go from my brain to yours. But can you imagine the night of his birth lying in the heavens? The host of glory. Hidden, but there sword in hand at the moment notice sweep in rescue anything that's going on to the human eye it looks as if it's just all is calm all is bright I want to tell you it's not so in the heavenlies when he was born there had to be a moment of question God what you doing what is happening here we've never seen nothing like this what are we supposed to do and somehow the great eternal spirit of God moved upon them and they began to show themselves to lowly shepherds, not to theologians, not to philosophers, just hardworking shepherds, stinky shepherds, low-life shepherds, those that are of the, you know, the backwoods. Can you imagine, though, just stepping out of glory, this host? For unto you is born this day 
a Savior. A Savior to beings that could not repent, for beings that are stuck forever in their particular setting. Amen. Simply said, we don't understand this concept of Savior because the Bible said they desired to look into it. But somehow they were given the assignment unto you as born this day a Savior. I don't know about you, but I got to pursue the King today. No matter what, I got to pursue Him with all of my passion, with all of my possessions, with all that I have. Hallelujah. Have you come to worship Him today? Have you come to worship Him today? Is your worship just simply based on music and, and song, or is it based on here He is? We've seen His star of revelation. We follow the voice of the angel. We, we followed Him, but oh, here He is. I've come to worship him. I've come to praise him. I've come to rejoice in the fact that he saved me. He delivered me. He set me free. He put me on the solid rock out of miry clay. I stand, amen, now upon the solid rock. I stand because he renewed me. I stand because he healed me. I stand because he saved me. I stand because he is my, my deliverer, my strong tower, my hope and my defense. He is my warrior. He is my God. He is my king. Hallelujah today. Do you love him? Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Bye.